Hello and welcome to University Challenged, the podcast that challenges the notion that in order to have an interesting, rewarding, successful career, you have to go to uni. My name is Tony Kent and in this first episode, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce to you Nina Egger de Bourne. Nina is an aftercare specialist at Vivid, an organisation she has worked for for 23 years. She also runs her own business in partnership with her husband and is mum to five children. Nina's got a really interesting education, career and life story. I really hope you enjoy this episode. So Nina, it's so nice to see you. (laughs) So nice to see you. it's been a while, hasn't it? It has been a while, Tony, yes. Mm. Um, so for those people who are listening, I'm really excited that my first guest on the podcast is a very good friend of mine. We go way back. She knows all my secrets. I do. Nina, yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, Nina Egger de Bourne. And um, Nina's got a really interesting life story. She's got a really interesting career story. and also got an interesting educational story so can you tell everyone who's listening or the person who is listening um what do you do today what's your job okay so the millions of people that are listening I'm an aftercare specialist for Vivid um Vivid is a housing association uh, one of the largest in the south of uh, England so um we have 30,000 plus properties and we have uh, a huge development program uh, so we're trying to tackle the housing crisis by building more homes that are absolutely in so desperately needed for for England. So um, I've just moved into this new role um, after being a team leader in a customer service role for yeah. seven or eight years. So I've just moved into this role. And the aim is it's a new team that we've, we're developing to give uh, some support to our new build customers, both sales and lettings. Um, so that we can offer them some kind of after service when they move in. Um, We recognise that that was our most dissatisfied customer. So now I offer them support and guidance through their first 12 months, uh, sort out all of their issues with any defects with the properties, any issues with developers, any liaising that I need to do with, um, you know, colleagues, that sort of stuff. So they've got a one point of call to try and drive customer satisfaction to make us a landlord of choice. Wow. So you deal with snagging lists for your people that have purchased, I guess, I and my renting. Sins. Yes, for my sins, I do. Wow. I actually, you know, it's blown my mind, uh, having never worked in this area of the business. I've been with Vivid for 23 years. Wow. Yesterday. 23 years yesterday. Um, so I, I've never worked in this area of the business. So as a layman coming into this, it absolutely yeah. blows my mind. Um how quickly houses go up and how um, that has a sort of a bit of a detrimental impact on the quality of those houses. Um, And there is no support. And I think quite a lot of housing associations are recognised this and putting support in place so that you've got one person to help you when things don't go right. So that's me. Wow, 23 years, blimey. I mean, that's staying power, Nina. (laughs) Um, yeah it's either staying power or madness I'm not quite sure which um sometimes I'm not sure it's done me any favors I've probably uh yeah I've probably you know become complacent and almost a little bit nervous about the outside world because I know everything there is to know about Vivid and I'm comfortable 
Mm -hmm. So I've never really pushed the boundaries outside of that. So I've probably, there's a part of me that has thrived within the business and I'm very, very lucky and I've got job security. And so I'm very lucky, yeah. but there's also a part of me that thinks I've never really pushed myself outside the, uh, you know, box. So I've never, yeah, I've never really pushed myself. So I've probably mm -hmm. done myself a little bit of a disservice by pledging my allegiance to Vivid, but <sighs> institutionalized now oh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so let's go back to when when you were at school what was your experience of we'll, we'll go with secondary school because this is a podcast about um either not being able to or choosing not to go to university and still enjoying a successful interesting varied career so what what was secondary school like for you nina so i school was rubbish Mm. school was rubbish I don't I don't I mean I had great friends Tony you know that we used to, but we never did I, I didn't really thrive in the educational environment mm. you know I was um we started a job quite early I mean we got jobs when we were 13 14 so we were earning 24.99 a week or something and um, and in a brown envelope that we got at the end of each week and that was much more important to me yeah than the school and I think there was an element of um I didn't really fit in I didn't really know who my friendship group was I didn't really like a lot of people and I don't think a lot of people liked me and I I really struggled with the whole school environment so um so I have I have good memories of the social side of it yeah <laughs> but I don't really have good memories of the actual school side of it you know everything was a a bit of a chore for me educationally and so I didn't really want to progress I knew that I would never do university because I wasn't motivated enough you know when we when we did our GCSEs I remember thinking that I really probably should knuckle down and do soup you know what, what's that word tone see that's another thing that comes of age what's that word you have to study I should study you should apply but, yourself yeah but I didn't I couldn't be bothered you know there was always some party going on or we were going out or there was something going on so you know thinking by a roundabout taking <laughs> the caps off of beer bottles on uh metal railings that kind of thing that kind you know that important stuff that you know yeah. you need to take with you as through to adulthood that <laughs> was much more important to me so when it came to the whole studying stuff I wasn't interested so you know and I kind of I had this sort of probably an inflated sense of self that I could just wing it and I kind of did actually I mean I didn't do too badly at school but it wasn't where my passions lay you know and then when I went on, on to college mm. I I went to do A levels and then realized that actually I could bunk off and get away with it so uh, <laughs> I did do you um do you remember what your GCSE results were? Yeah, absolutely. Go on then. What's so you get? I got um, two A's in English. Oh, me too. Mm. I got a B in maths. All right. Yeah, I didn't do that. <laughs> I got uh, a B in French, Spanish, Italian, and German. Boom. Wow. And I got C's in uh, geography. Yeah. And then I got D's in. Uh, that science, double science, I think. Double right? science. Wow. And then I got, a, and I got a distinction in business studies. <laughs> wow. So you did a lot of GCSEs. How? Yeah. Because having said all that, 
I went to college two nights a week to do Italian and Spanish as an extra. Uh, okay. but the only reason I did that is I was really, really interested in travel and foreign languages. So, mm. so I guess like school with everybody during the day was just a chore, but there mm. was a little spark of something in me for languages. So, um, yeah, I did two extra languages at, at college, which kind of defies the whole I hate education (laughs) it was outside of that and it was in an adult environment so it was a whole different ball game um and actually I I did really well in languages and I so I guess it's that finding something that floats your boat which motivates you to to do a little bit better but the rest of it I didn't really care about and I did win it I guess didn't I well yeah um and and tell me so we both went through our dad's dying around about the same time um, what impact did that have on your relationship with school and your attitude to study? I don't really remember collating the two, if I'm honest. I just remember it being a totally devastating part of my life. I couldn't quite get my head round. Mm. And I remember the school were incredibly supportive. I remember, I don't know if you remember our tutor teacher or I don't know, you weren't in my tutor, I don't think, Mr Howe. Oh, um, I love Mr. Howe. Yeah, he was so good and he was so good to me. So the school were incredibly supportive of that time of my life. Mm. But I kind of, I kind of lost the, yeah, I, I went off the rails a little bit at that point. Mm. So um, I'm not quite sure it had an impact educationally, but life, you know, it got, I, I kind of acted to sort of question what the point was, like, why me? That anger that you feel when you lose someone so very close to you, so very young. Mm. that whole anger that you feel and that you carry around with you and it has a massive impact on your entire life because Mm. I didn't have a father figure it up until that point my brothers tried to step into that breach and I was totally you know disrespectful of that Mm. um my mum and and I often think this now like my mum you know it had a huge impact on her because you know they had an incredibly happy marriage so she Mm. was very almost distant for a little while and even now you know she's 77 years old even now we can't talk about him without her crying so and as much as she doesn't and we talk about him a lot of course we do but you know we were always very conscious how upsetting it was for her so we tended not to talk about him and I think Mm. that whole sort of you know volcano of emotions that you've got going on and the fury and the rage you know as an impact on who you are as a person I'm not mm. quite sure I can collate it to education and how the effect it had on me but as a person I became very angry and mm. you know hating the world a little bit I think and how old were you I was 14 14 yeah mm. yeah yeah it comes so what, what didn't my dad pass about two or three weeks before yours so my dad was January yeah my dad was December yeah yeah, yeah. It's um yeah, I think for that to happen when you are at such a crucial part in your development, your teenage years. Um, so what about your mum and dad? Did they go to uni? No. I don't even think my mum finished school. My mum um talks about the eleven plus, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh dear, yeah, to go to grammar. Yeah. Yeah. She um I think she passed the 11 plus, but I think I recall her saying something about they moved around about when she was 15 because my granddad used to work for the water board in London and they used to get houses with his job. So they moved and um, 
she uh, my granddad said to her do you want to carry on and move school or do you want to get a job and I think she was about 15 and she said I'm going to get a job and she's wow. worked she worked ever since until she retired so yeah no no education of any sort really and what did your parents do for jobs my mum and dad both worked for Eli Lilly in Basingstoke mm. my dad was an engineer and my mum was a secretary well now they call them PAs so yeah. um yeah. yeah they both worked there for my dad worked there for 25 years up until he passed away and then my mum worked there for 23 up until she retired so they both were quite like me institutionalized the example um so uh was there any any expectation on you to go to uni because you are bright and you didn't four languages yeah no not at all was never something we ever talked about if I'm honest my both my older brothers never went to university never had any interest I think uh, Neil I've got two brothers and my middle brother was probably more uh you know clever for want of a better phrase so he but he even he never spoke about university and I think we had this hunger for money yeah you know what I mean we're not that sounds really awful but I think we were more interested in actually earning a living rather than um you know putting our lives on hold potentially and I wasn't like they say university is a bit of a party time isn't it where everyone goes out and drinks and has great times and there's all of that social side of it we were never that into it that much that we wanted to pursue it at university we could just do it down basically (laughs) do it down the ice (laughs) rink I didn't need to I didn't need to go to university for that aspect but my mum never I don't even recall talking about it if I'm honest and uh, how about uh, America? So you went to America, Nina. Tell me yes. about that. So we were in assembly, Tony, uh, when we were 15, I think, in our last year at school. Mm. And I vaguely recall Mr. Knight <laughs> standing at the podium mentioning something about an exchange program. Mm-hmm. And my ears pricked up and I listened and I remember going home and it wasn't um, long after my uh, dad had passed. So um uh, God, this sounds awful, but my mum had become incredibly wealthy on the back end of my dad passing because everything got cleared and she had, you know, insurances pay out. And um, yeah. so it was quite an expensive thing to do. But I mentioned it to her and actually pre my dad passing, it wouldn't have been a possibility. Um, mm. But I mentioned it to her and said, this is something. And I really wanted to go to Australia because mm. home and away and neighbours were really big at the time, if you remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I and I vaguely recall thinking, oh my goodness, go and live by the beach, talk Australian, yeah. you know. Um, and my mum said, I'm happy for you to look into this, but you need to think about the education that you're going to get at the end of it. Mm. And Australia doesn't have any record breaking um, educational system, apparently, according to my mum. Okay. Because uh, <laughs> my mum knows, you see. Yeah, she does. <laughs> <laughs> she knows that stuff. So, yeah. So then um, I remember going to meetings in London and doing all of these tests to make sure that I would be mentally ready to go away because I went on my own and then all of a sudden I left school and I uh, yeah flew out to the states on my own with about 100 strangers I seem to recall who were all doing the same thing and what was your experience of the American education system they're they're much more in tune to it because they all they naturally stay until they're 18 whereas Uh, I know that now you have to stay in full-time education through an apprenticeship or uh, college but it's not really strongly enforced it's a little bit wishy-washy um but in America they naturally stay until they're 18 they have a huge you know they're they're much more socially 
active in school like they've got clubs it's you're, it's yeah. not you know you aren't you don't fit in unless you're part of a club you don't you know they do after school activities and everybody does something so it's school is incredibly important to them and so um it was an incredibly different way of life for me much earlier you had to start much later you had to finish then you had to do your school after school clubs and then you had to do your football at the weekends and it was all encompassing they were incredibly all over it um but again it was a great experience and I um yeah I went for 12 months and I graduated with a high school diploma at the end of it wow and and so how does that then connect with your GCSEs is that is does your high school diploma count over here I mean I use it I did use it to get a job and most people were interested in it so I'm not Mm. quite sure it wasn't a bargaining tool but it had it had little or no impact for me it was more about growing up and you know I mean as a 16 year old I flew out to America I flew interstate on my own Mm. I had to get from one side of New York City to another on my own um, and so as a 16 year old facing that all of a sudden your confidence grows I had to meet a new family I had to live with them for 12 months I had to meet new people all on my own yeah. um, and actually it was incredibly hard work and I was incredibly homesick from day one I was really really close to my mum so leaving her for 12 months was really hard and doing Christmas alone and um, so it was more about developing me as a person as an individual rather than oh look I've got a high school diploma I'm going to go in and get a smashing job and that's really interesting yeah it was you know it was really good for me but Mm. it doesn't really mean anything if you're to say to an employer I've got a high school diploma they probably go all right (laughs) (laughs) but I think your point there about the independence that gave you and the things you were able to do and that becomes interesting to potential employers, yeah. which yeah. which can be where some people come unstuck if you don't have proof that you've done extracurricular things or. Yeah, it's a very um, interesting point. It was always a talking point in interviews and stuff. So. Uh, yeah, and, so and so what was your first job? Let's we, we know about the we did the cleaning at least cleaning. at one point. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was your first proper full-time job so I worked as an office manager in a uh, no it was an office under manager in a solicitors wow okay yeah I know so um I worked oh my goodness that job I loved that job I was in town Basingstoke town centre and um I used to do all of the stuff around the office um and I I because of the cleaning yeah and um like not really having any skills per se Mm -hmm. it was a it was a sort of bottom ladder job but it gave me typing skills and um all of that you know all of the photocopying (laughs) to do a lot of that um stapling I used to do all the sort of office basics under a, a woman who I'm still really good friends with now um some 25 years later so um yeah that just gave me a grounding to get into office work and that environment so that was my first job Fladgate Fielder. Ah um, and what was it about office work that actually appealed to you? Nothing. Right okay. <laughs> Literally nothing I genuinely was lost I didn't know what I wanted to do I wanted yeah. to be a lawyer okay. but I couldn't be bothered with all of that. Okay. <laughs> 
so when I went to college, I remember I had, I did A-level law, actually, when I turned up at college, when I turned up, because I funked off more than I was there. Yeah. But when I turned up, I had this great law lecturer, and he was desperately trying to get to be a barrister. And yeah. um, he had to work 74 jobs, and he had to do all sorts of hours. And the hierarchy in the chambers blew my mind and the finances you needed to be able to get to be where you wanted to be is really quite off-putting uh, yeah. for someone like me so um I that was what I could just imagine myself arguing cases like and being really nosy in criminal cases because I love all that but um and I, and I wondered if getting a little job in a solicitors would give me that sort of step up but I went into conveyance in solicitors which was boring what's that explain it to me that's all about property buying and selling and all of the boring stuff there's lots okay. of and stuff it was all dull yeah so um there was not I didn't know where I was going I was lost in career wise so I just got a job in an office just to see how that floated my boat mm. um and actually I guess I was always destined to do something office rather than you know manual labor yeah so yeah that's sort of how it came about so something in the conveyancing there, boring as it was, must have given you a, a, a nudge in the direction of housing. Property. Yeah. Yeah, because then I went into, um, then I got pregnant. So I had my children not long after that. So I left that role um, because I was pregnant and I didn't go back because I wanted part time. Mm. And I ended up going into a little business that de dealt with um I was on the phone dealing with repairs issues, actually, for yeah. the benefits agencies. So all of the benefits agencies in the south of England used to have a place to call and I would sort yeah. out all the repairs. So, again, yeah. repairs, housing, that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's how I got into all of that boringness. So how old were the children when you returned to work? So Connor must have been about six months old, I think yeah that's my oldest boy he's 24 now he was he must have been six months old when I went back part-time yeah um, and then I stayed part-time and then I eventually moved to Vivid when Connor was two yeah and then not like and I was part-time at Vivid as well doing repairs reporting and then um I um I've stayed there ever since and just moved throughout the business and how have you found that experience because I know lots of women struggle to combine parenting with working or getting that part-time work but you now have five it's five, five children you've got your five children and you've maintained a career throughout so what's that been like it's you know what I'm incredibly lucky that I have the support network that I do because you know I've got friends who have got young children who really really struggle with the whole thing I had um my mum she retired um after my second daughter, uh, sorry, my daughter was born. She retired not long after that and she kind of stepped up. So uh, I was working and then I got divorced from my first husband. So she stepped up because he was useless. So mm. she stepped into that breach and she wasn't working. So she would look after the children. She was great. So yeah. I was incredibly lucky with that support network. So I was managing to work a full time job with um, once Sky got to about six months old, I went into full time work. Right. And um, wow. my mum, I was working nights, I think, at the time. And my mum um, looked after the children for me. She was great. She was the reason. My mum was the reason that I was able to run a house, a job, my children. Yeah. She was the reason. And then I met Jürgen, my current husband, and had lots more children. 
and you know he was very lucky because he's always been self-employed so he's yeah. been able to be there for the children but it's my mum if I think about it you know in the cold light of day if it hadn't been for my mum I wouldn't have been able to do what I've done yeah she's the reason Wow. And and so you've got some interesting stuff going on in that you've been employed forever. So you take a salary and then Jürgen runs his own business. But these are not two entirely separate things, are they, Nina? No. So you say Jürgen runs his own business. Jürgen does the hard work like he does the manual labour. I practically run it behind the scenes along with Sky, my yeah. daughter. Um, so, yeah, we I, I've got. Yeah, I do a full time job. And then I do Jürgen's stuff, mm. paperwork, tax, chasing, invoices. And actually, it's the most incredibly stressful thing. He used to be a sole trader. And then we went as a limited company. And from sole trader to limited company, the, the, the difference is incredible. And the stress levels hit, you know, 100 plus percent. So, um, yeah, I do all of that as well. We, we've only been doing it for about three years. So, um the first two years I, I nearly had a breakdown yeah. mentally it was just incredible um uh, but we're in a much better place now so I can manage to do the two without yeah. having a mental breakdown <laughs> and and given that so you think about all the things that you've achieved and all the things that you've done so you say running a limited company but at the same time you are also an employee and you've navigated you know those worlds um, what is it that you think it is about your experiences or your background that kind of gives you that strength of character and confidence to go, yeah, yeah, I could run a limited company, no bother. I've got really high expectations of my own abilities. Mm. I'm a bit of a perfectionist, not not visually, like you'll come around my house and the decorating, I do the decorating because um, my husband says it's a busman's holiday, he does it all day every day, doesn't want to come home and do it. Yeah. Um, so I do the decorating, but I'm not a perfectionist when it comes to that sort of stuff. So mm. if there's a little bit of paint that's not quite level, it doesn't bother me. But on yeah. on a personal level, like with business and everything, I set my expectations really hard and I don't fail. I don't fail. I don't like to get stuff wrong. Um, so um, it just makes me incredibly determined and resilient, I think. I don't, you know, if I get something wrong, and I think with age, as I get older, my brain doesn't quite work so well. Mm. So I forget stuff. And actually, that is one of the hardest things that I've got to get used to, because it's not because I, you know, I, I genuinely don't like forgetting stuff or getting stuff wrong. It really I beat myself up dreadfully. Yeah. over. So I think it's just that determination and confidence that I'm not going to fail. That's how it works. And how about for the kids then? So they're seeing their parents being both employed and running a business and they're going through or have been through education. Do you, have you ever spoken about university with them or what, what's their view on the path that they want to pursue? So that's a really interesting question, actually, because I think because we run our own limited company, my children's default is if they can't find anything else, they'll come and work for us. <laughs> and that's really interesting because Connor works for us, my older boy, Sky, my daughter works for us. Um, and actually Roman who's my middle boy who's 15 and thinking about this he's going to come and work for us yeah he's not very uh academically minded genuinely isn't but 
put a paintbrush in his hand or a screwdriver and he wants to know more because that's the, the area of my husband's business so you know and I, and I worry about that a little bit because his default is he's not gonna he's not really bothered about school mm. yeah, because he's got a job at the end of it and he will yeah. come into an apprenticeship with us and we'll see him through to his 18 and then he'll probably continue to work for us you know as long as the business continues to thrive so there is that that's the default for all of my children is that mm. oh well, my, my dad's got a business I'll just go and work for him yeah. Matthias uh who's my second to youngest son is incredibly clever yeah and he doesn't want to come and work for the business that's his he wants to be an astronaut actually um and he's incredibly serious about that yeah. um so uh, he's only 12 so we've not talked about uni but I absolutely expect something different for him. Yeah. Um, Arlo, my youngest, he, I don't know. We just don't know. It's too early. Um, but the default is for all of my children is, oh, we'll just go and work for dad. So I think that's done them a little bit of a disservice educationally, because as much as a parent, you try to encourage, I'm also quite a laid back parent. So I'm like, just do what you can do your best. If you don't succeed, as long as you put 100% effort in, I can't argue with that. So um, it's been a bit of a disservice, probably, because they have got something to come home to. Yeah. What well, What's your view on um, careers in secondary school and how it's how it how they're presented? So based on your experiences, what you know, what you've learned, and what the kids will tell you when they get back from school, are they being given a realistic view of what their career options could be? I don't I don't see it I'm not gonna lie um I think it's been incredibly hard over the last two years because of the the way that we are nowadays and with the virtual learning and Mm. the impact that that's had but you know work experience they don't do that anymore so you know I I did work experience and I, I I I'm a big believer in that because I said to Roman when he was talking about it the school were talking about it and they sent the survey out and I'm I was really encouraging of that because I thought he can come and work for us for a week. He can go and do anything he wants for that week to try and get a bit of an idea. But they don't do that anymore. Um, we used to have a careers advisor and we used to have to go to meetings. I remember all yeah. talking about that. But again, you know, Romans had none of that. So I'm not sure that the schools are not pushing that as much as they did when we were growing up. No, no. I think mine were offered, well, B was offered like virtual <laughs> work experience like no thanks um and, and no luckily for her, yeah luckily for her there are like pubs locally that will give you know 15 year olds a couple of hours so it is it's that actual like you say being in a workplace seeing how things operate dealing yeah. with people yeah, yeah i think it's the same um so if, if you had a school leader or someone spoke to you and said look I really want to say get into the housing sector so thinking about Vivid um what what would your advice be to them on on careers within the sector and routes in so um most housing associations have customer experience teams um we I would absolutely advocate for it because all of the people that I practically work with now started at the bottom customer answer answering the phones to customers it is the best way in you'll get huge amounts of knowledge and most housing associations I mean I know a lot of people in the sector and most housing associations you know they want brilliant people working for them so they'll internally promote 
you know, because that's they don't want to lose their brilliant people to other housing associations. So we also, you know, have great apprenticeship schemes. We also do voluntary um, work. So we'll get people in to do voluntary a week or two to give them a bit of experience to see if it's something that they want to do, especially people who are, you know, midlife maybe and haven't got a job or you know haven't worked because of bringing up children so don't know what they can do what their capabilities are we'll give them an in by saying come and work for us for two weeks it's voluntary but actually you might find that it's your bag you might find that you hate it and it's not something you want to do it just gives people a step in so we do a great deal of work as as an association to support getting people into the workplace and actually the housing sector is you know the career possibilities are endless and um you know there's so much you can do and it is housing isn't going anywhere you know it's a staple part of our diet in this country so it's usually a you know job for life really yeah that's right re- and that's really cool to because again I don't think that's not something I hear very often there's a lot of talk about the professions but there's not a lot of talk about sectors and as you mm. say so housing is it's not going anywhere we've got a housing crisis people need places to live yeah um and you've got these organizations that are crying out for bright people to come and work for them yeah absolutely yeah okay um so what's next then nina what's what's if you think about i don't know 10 years 20 years I, um, 50. I, don't know. I don't think i'll be retiring early i don't know what i'd do with myself tony mm. i can't be a lady that lunches if I'm honest with you I want to step up now I um I've done um like you know frontline management I want to go up I think I think there's more that and I guess there's an element of um as a parent growing up with the children um I didn't want to go any you know that I had a job it was a good job and I you know I was earning good money but I didn't want any more stress in my life so I never went up the career ladder at that point because I had my hands full. Then when my husband started his own business and we that was just incredible. So I had my hands full. Mm. But now things have settled down a little bit and I'm coasting a little bit. I've just started this new job. So I'm having to use my brain again. And actually, when, once you start to use your brain again um, and I'm learning new stuff, mm. I, I've started to get a bit of a thirst for it again. So I'm starting to become a little bit more career hungry, which I never thought I would do. So, you know, I'm 46 years old now. I think it's time that I stepped up. This job that I took for the aftercare step specialist was a step sideways. And that was to get me the knowledge because a lot of housing associations in management are looking for this area of the business. It's their biggest growing area. So I took a step sideways to get that knowledge. And I've learned a lot and I've not been doing it long. So I'm thinking about getting that knowledge and then I'm going to go up. Awesome. That's awesome. That's really um I don't know, it's quite powerful to hear and motivating to hear that. So I think, you know, to get to your mid 40s or, or late 40s, I just keep saying you're nearly 50, mum. Hold up. Um, but I think to get to, that point, to get to that point in your life and feel motivated to do more yeah. um, and to, to scale the ladder, it's fantastic. Yeah, I don't want to become the, you know, the, the thing is like, retiring isn't too far away like as much as we joke time's flying by and you know retirement isn't that far away and that worries me a lot I mean I'm I'm hoping I make retirement like you know I think when you lose a parent very early on death is always a a factor in your life it's something you think about a lot in the sense that you know life isn't you're not going to get to 100 potentially so 
as long as I make it to retirement, I don't, you know, it worries me. Like, what would I do all day? Yeah, I shouldn't, no, I wouldn't like to be left on my own all day, left on my own devices. It wouldn't be a happy place. No, I'd probably internet shop all day and then have to sell me house to pay it all off. <laughs> yeah. Worries me. So, you know, and if I can go up um, and, you know, it's almost like that, like you say, that motivation to kickstart something. My children are getting older now. They're very self-sufficient. So my parenting, I don't have to do that quite so much because they sort of parent themselves when they get older, don't they? So yeah. now I need something to fill that void. So, you know, career all day long. Great. Love it. Thank you, Nina. It's been You're so good welcome. to speak to you. And, uh, well, I continue to watch your career with interest. Actually, if people do want to have a look at what Vivid have available. Absolutely. Go on our website. Go on the website. It's yeah, they are a great place to work for. I mean, you know. I'm a great person and I work there. So all, all happy days. And the sector in itself, I mean, housing associations across the board are crying out for staff. And actually, if you're young and you don't know what you want to do, call centre work in housing associations is a great step in the right direction. You can go very, very far. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's great. Thanks a lot, Nina. Oh, you're very welcome. It's lovely to see your face. I know. You've been listening to University Challenged with me, Tony Kent, and my very special guest, Nina Egger de I hope you enjoyed that episode. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend it with us. You can find me on Instagram at university underscore challenged. Love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and I look forward to bringing you another fantastic guest next week.